This is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Thank you, Gary. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Talk for Two. Today, we talk with one of my favorite character actors in the world. He crops up in everything that I watch, and he is now a part of the biggest series of 2021. Is anybody else obsessed with WandaVision? I absolutely love this show. It got a lot of flack for how it started, but people caught on. They're obsessed with how it's with with the way it's going, and it's really, really exciting. And our guest today, Josh Stamberg, plays sword acting director Timothy Hayward on the show. And it is, like I said, creating a lot of buzz among those fans of the Marvel Universe for its unique approach to storytelling. Now, if you haven't heard about WandaVision yet, it tells the story of Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch, and her android boyfriend, Vision. The series picks up after the events of Avengers Endgame and pays homage to classic television sitcoms while telling a compelling superhero action mystery at the same time. And it is that dichotomy that has earned the show a lot of media attention over the last three weeks. So it was awesome to get to chat with Stamberg, who is traditionally known for playing more morally ambiguous characters like Bill Shine in Showtime's The Loudest Voice and Darius in the ABC and then CMT hit Nashville. He talks about getting to play one of the good guys again in WandaVision. Plus, we also discuss his recent appearance on Law & Order. It was just two weeks ago, and I think uh, there might have been an episode last night, but I think if you go back, they took last week off, and this was the most recent episode until perhaps if they aired one this week. Now, we talked to him because he played about this because he played one of those reprehensible characters that he's so known for, a corrupt judge in a scenario a la Brett Kavanaugh. The episode was filmed in New York as part of Law & Order SVU returning to production post-lockdown. Now, he was so nice and so thoughtful about his characters. We delve into the, his process as an actor and what it was like to be out of work and home during the quarantine. I'm so excited, and like I said, he teases, he teases the episode tonight. He teases what we can expect and that there are more revelations for you WandaVision fans with those questions we all have. I shouldn't say you WandaVision fans. I'm a big fan myself. He teases a little bit of what we can expect tonight, so I'm really, really excited. Here now to talk about being a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe legacy, our interview with Josh Stamberg. Josh Stamberg, you are everywhere these days. How are you, sir? Thank you for making time to be with us today. Uh, well, thanks for having me, and thanks for that those kind of words. Uh, it is really nice to be busy, particularly at such a bizarre time on the planet. It's really nice to have things to feel good about and be distracted by. Yeah. You were recently on Law & Order, played a villainous character on Law & Order, that's all I will say. <laughs> What was it like? That is one of those shows that has, like, come hell or high water. They wanted to get back to it and put actors back to work. What was the experience being the the guest star, the 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 antagonist of an episode, the primary guest star on Law & Order post-pandemic? Uh, 
nerve-wracking, I will say, anxiety-provoking. I mean, I, I was reluctant to get on a plane. I hadn't done that since, mm. the, since February. Uh, I have to say their protocols were so tight that it put me at ease. It, it, was, um, it was impressive in terms of their daily testing and the, the rigors of that. It also is tricky and was tricky in terms of sort of Pavlovian responses you have as an actor and just sort of the audio and visual cues you get before action. Because people are masked, it's harder to hear, it's harder to see what's happening. You are obviously kept from everyone else. Um, so that's that was quite an adjustment, I will say. Um, and, and separate of the show, you know, I think it, it's interesting they made the choice not to have people masked on screen, but a lot of the courtroom stuff, if you see it, there's plexiglass dividing us. So that was interesting. It's just commentary socially. Mm-hmm. It was also it was also just being in New York was, this isn't really a question, but that was tough just to see New York kind oh, of yeah. gut, pun- gut, gut punch by the pandemic, having not, you know, one of my favorite places on the planet and having not been there since February, it was really hard to see. Um, and I was there also over the election. So that was kind of incredible um to see to see the celebration and experience there was a lot of a lot happening at once and a lot to process and um because there was so much to do with the role there was also it took a lot of focus and um and so i sort of was head down asked to stay mainly just in the hotel and on set and that's really what it was but i mean that show just runs like clockwork pandemic or otherwise it was really impressive what they were pulling off. Did it make it harder for you to learn the role? Cause that is a, that is a layered role that you perform <laughs> on that episode. It, it did. It, it actually did because it's, a, there's a lot, there's also just a lot of, as they often do with guest stars and particularly this one, there's just a lot of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a guy based, you know, without spoilers on um, sort of a mashup of, of Brett Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am accustomed to playing characters who are dark and and dimensional. This guy was, is really less dimensional and more dark. <laughs> and I and I, I think given the backdrop globally, it, it did make it harder. My focus was a little more wavering on you know time on my own that I usually love the deep dive and detective work on these guys and watching video and reading. I just have had I think like a lot of people more wandering focus so it, it took it did feel like a much bigger effort but well, you, um you pulled it you off know. spectacularly you know and well you, i appreciate you it you have these habits because my favorite show in college was nashville i'm a big country music fan music jur- oh, cool. journalist outside of this show um you have a habit of playing these darker characters that are also <laughs> human that are also really human like you can see i could see somebody being like that if they hold those sets of values what what draws you to those types of characters, or is it a, a product of your career that you've been placed in perhaps that box a little bit? Oh man! First of all, thank you. It's such a great compliment that that they do come off as human because that does feel like the challenge. They're not just bad guys. It's sort of like, well, why are they, and what is the what's the gray in there? Like that's always what I've been attracted to sort of not just the is you know my girls who are young always ask are you a good guy or a bad guy and it's always difficult to explain because <laughs> usually i'm playing a bad guy and I, there, it comes with sort of a a big but you know a big caveat mm-hmm. here's what's going on with this guy um i'm not sure how it how it happened my mom always teases me and says i'll know you're a great actor when you play a jimmy stewart role 
Um, so I think I, um, I, I did early on play sort of the protagonist, the hero roles. And I have to say, I found them less challenge. There, there's another set of challenges there, but, but these roles that I'm drawn to are never boring for me. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to play the heavy. It's fun to play the baddie. And then to figure out what humanity is under there. What are the vulnerabilities, the weaknesses? Why does this person behave the way they do? You know, how do you end up becoming Donald Trump? Right. When when people see you on the street, do they are they a little trepidatious to approach you? Because talking to you, you're the nicest guy in the world here talking oh. to you. And But are people like mm, a little cautious? Yeah. I think it, it really, it's such a good question. It really, it varies with the role. You know, I think whenever I'm doing comedies, um, people are always coming up. because I think they feel safer that, you know, how it is with actors. I mean, you can yeah. believe that's who you are. So, yeah, I think the darker, when I was doing The Loudest Voice for Showtime, that that role, Bill Shine, people were less likely to come up. Yes. Or if they were, they're like, man, you are uh, pick an expletive. You're so good at playing that. <laughs> and while well, it's a great compliment, it's not as fun as people who come up with a giant smile and think you're approachable, particularly if I'm out with my kids or whatever. But uh, I mean, people kindly do, you know, pre-pandemic days come up and say, hey, or, you know, I saw you on blah, blah, blah. So that's that's always nice. And, I, and hopefully before WandaVision goes too much further, um, I'll get some of that. <laughs> I love that. I love Wanda. Well, that was the question I was going to ask you is, I mean, you're playing that role. Is he a good guy through and through or should we be suspicious of your director character? I think uh, he he is a very multi-layered person. I won't say that. <laughs> um, who who feels that, uh, who, I mean, entitlement is a word I would throw in there. And, and it will become clear as a Friday, I think, this Friday. Why? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to air this. We're going to air this the Friday uh for Wanda so tonight Disney Plus WandaVision. Amazing freaking show. Amazing. When you got Crazy, the call, right? when you got the call Marvel Universe Disney Plus. Oh. What what goes through your mind? Is are they calling the right person? <laughs> is, this a, is this a mistake? Um yeah, thrill, thrilling. I mean, you know, the, the the scope of Marvel and the canon, as people call it. I mean, yeah, I couldn't couldn't quite believe it. And Matt Shackman, who directed them all, I've known for many many years. And um, along with, you know, I've done a movie with Paul Bettany mm-hmm. quite a while back, and Catherine Hahn, I've known since we were in our twenties. So there was a lot of familiarity, and that was immediately comforting because, truthfully, that kind of offer is a little daunting. You think, can I, can I, can I play in that world, you know, um, which, which feels like a big step up. And so just, yeah, other than feeling thrilled, there's all, all the nerves. And also that was before the world changed so much, you know? Yeah. Before and after you, I was reading online. Yeah, that's right. That's you right. You started before and then came back after. What was it like? Cause Marvel, it's continuity. It's continuity is is the name of the game with Marvel. What was it like, A, with the procedures, and B, with making sure everything matched up? Because that's super important, too. That's right. And we were lucky because the plan had always been in place to move from Atlanta, where we shot the bulk of it, back to L.A. to finish. Mm. And and in between that period of break, um, the pandemic happened. So 
Um, the move itself was great. The bulk of what was left was outside, which made it easier. And, and again, have to give Disney and Marvel huge props for how well they handled it and how many people they had on set ensuring that protocols were met. And people were, it was a great crew across the board and a different crew, much of it in LA. Um, everyone wanted to be at work. Nobody wanted to have to deal with shutting down Yeah. Um, and to get it done. So it was different. It was the tough part's been being back at work on anything. Uh, I did a movie in between there as well. It, it, it's just what it is socially in such a social world. You know, it's so much of the fun of work is for me drifting over to the camera department and seeing what they're shooting on and what they're, what the technology is, particularly with something with WandaVision. And there's a, uh, an operator on this, on WandaVision who I was like a roommate of mine oh, when wow. I first got out of drama school, you know, and, and being able to hang out with him, that gives me a little entree to their world and the sound guys like just floating around, which you can't do anymore. Yeah. And, and so it's tough to give that part up, but I do think it increases focus in a way too. I think across every department, I mean, it's it's rough to give up that social aspect, but I do think it maybe it deepens the web. It's gonna be interesting to see all the work that comes out of this pandemic period anyway. I love it. What was it, if, if we can get a little into the weeds here, the pandemic, you, you're an actor who does a lot of different things, a lot, you're, you're a very high profile, I guess you would say character actor. Somebody in, in your bracket, and I don't mean financial bracket, I mean bracket of work, Mm-hmm. Was it hard to be out of work for, for, for this period of time or, or were you okay with being able to take a couple of months off? How does a pandemic, I don't think people realize, affect the people that, that we see on our televisions every night, just not on the same show? We see them across the mm. board. Oh, man, great distinction. Yeah, I, I think it would have been, I look, I, I just love being at work. I just love working. I feel like you know, I'm an actor's actor in that way. Like I just want to work all the time. I, I, I think it was, a, there were a couple things at play. The first being that I knew WandaVision was still hanging out there and I would get to finish. Yeah. Um, that was a lot to look forward to. And knowing once we found out is we would, we didn't know we'd be the first ones out either for Marvel and Disney plus. Oh, cool. um, so finding that news out was just, you know, felt like such a grand slam in terms of knowing that it would be out when it came out. Um, and then it's all, it's just hard to be sitting, you know, yeah. and feel and as a creative person to not be making. And when you're dependent on a group of people, so that then it's a gear change and moving into writing, moving into other facets. Also, I, I suppose the biggest silver lining for me was just being home because I'm on the road so much and I have young daughters and just having that time that became sort of the best part of this hideousness you know i love it now let's talk about yeah. the reception to wandavision fans yeah. are loving it fans were confused for two weeks and then the third week fourth <laughs> episode everything uh came into well vision clear vision um <laughs> what are you what are you seeing what do you make of it's huge right now it's the biggest show on streaming right now does it astound you and what 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 has your interaction with fans been like I guess, I guess it does astound me. I, I knew it would be big. I just didn't realize how big. And mm-hmm. I knew, I knew just from everything I'd read and what had been sort of pitched originally, how big a swing it was and how different. And I just, 
ate up those scripts in terms of reading them. They were unlike anything. I mean, if you, as you've seen anything out there or anything that had been done. And, and I knew that that was risky, but I just love sort of the, that foresight of, you know, the leadership here behind the whole project um, to know that it would land. So I'm glad it has, mm -hmm. I, I haven't had much, I mean, I've gotten so many nice emails and texts and, you know, not really out in the world. So a couple of times when I'm out in the WandaVision hat, people sort of trip out and that feels amazing. Um, it is incredible to see the full power of the Marvel machine and what Disney plus is right now and sort of how thoughtful all of those elements are in, in this launch. I mean, that has been, that has been astounding. The power of that sort of rocket. What I'm loving about it, and, and I'm going to kind of nag a little bit on the movies, but on the formulaicness of the movies, I love the Marvel movies, but yeah. It gets to a point where you've seen them one, you've seen them all. They have to make a blockbuster. Mm -hmm. You have to have mm -hmm. your your rising action, your climactic battle, your falling action that sets up the next thing and then the post credits. It is so good to see Marvel doing something on par with what all the other streaming services are doing, that, that the creativity's foot is forward, not the concerns of the box office being forward. And I absolutely love that they have led this with the creativity of what WandaVision could be and yeah. is, as opposed to yeah. how can we attract $200 million worth of eyeballs in the first weekend? I love that. So, so well said. I, I could not agree more. I just think it's, as I say, such a great swing. And from people who are older than myself, down to my kids freaking out, you know, wanting to watch, that that's that feels very rare. Mm -hmm. And it, well, it, it is a lot to parse. For the first few episodes what am i seeing and what is this and i love that about it and I'm, and I'm sure there were lots of viewers who got turned off and thought no idea what i'm looking at not interested boring slow black and white but i just think the payoff at least up by episode four is so big and i do think that for the people who've stuck with it mm -hmm. i know how much more there is to come in terms of of the way the onion peels yeah I love that. And it's a risk, too, just from a technical perspective, to put two full episodes in letterbox and four by three <laughs> aspect ratio and make it look yes. like it was shot on videotape. Like, uh, you know, it's just I'm watching I'm like this is genius. Truly, truly genius. I think so. And I know over word overused word these days, but I mean, just to throw all the tropes out the window and sort of feel like we're doing this, particularly particularly for Marvel. You know, mm -hmm. we're going the sitcom route. We're going to fully honor that medium, you know, and that style. Yeah. And those guys going through sitcom boot camp together, just doing the whole thing. I mean, then they just the physicality that Paul and Lizzie, you know, Elizabeth and and Catherine find, like all of them, it's so spot on. Um, and then seeing the switch into the now and right. the future, it's it's really. It's a little goosebumpy, I'll say. And I think I could be wrong. I could be mis. It could have been about a different show, but I think I read that they tried to shoot as chronologically for you guys as possible to help the story stay together. Is that correct? Yeah, that was that's that's pretty much how it went. I mean, some of these episodes were cross bordered, and that was a lot to track. But always, I think I can't speak to the stuff I'm not in, but always in the same world. Right. You know, so you knew what you, you knew what you're doing. And then and then the final episodes were still being worked on and completed. But we knew we had that break moving from Atlanta to Los Angeles. So we weren't jumping too far ahead. 
yeah, that was the case. So yeah, and it was and it was a hard. It was a, not an easy shoot. It was chaotic. It's really ambitious, and that showed up on screen. Mary Kane, who is the uh, the unit production manager of this thing, I mean, just see her head almost exploding <laughs> trying to hold it all all together. I mean, she's just incredible at her job. Along with her, I mean, I think Shackman got pneumonia in the course of this and just kept going. Oh my gosh. A total total trooper. And we're out in the rain, night, a lot of it night times in Atlanta in the winter. I mean, it was, it was a little bit of a bear. It was not like we were coal miners. It's not, it's not that, but it's still, as far as, you know, entertainment goes, it was a heavy lift. And so it's really, it's rare that it matches up that way, that it's that much effort and it actually lands, you know. It, it really, it has landed. What are your kids, have your kids seen it? What do they think? Yeah, I, they are, at least my older girl, who's almost 13, I mean, she and her friends, I hear them, you know, in the other room on their on their Zooms just talking about the show all the time. <laughs> and normally, my daughter has almost no interest in what I'm doing and won't watch stuff that I'm in, which is fine, but this is exciting that there's one that has, and it tells me a lot about the reach and appeal of the show. I mean, yeah. that part is really heartening, in addition to just the emotional element of like, oh my God, my daughter likes what I'm doing. <laughs> I love that. You know, and yeah. real quick to switch gears, hard turn here, but I completely yeah. forgotten you mentioned it, loudest voice. My day job is cable news. I make no secret of that. I just don't talk about right. who I work for. What was okay. it like, uh, what was it like uh, getting into the mind of Bill Shine? And did you get a chance to talk to him or at least people who know him because uh, here again, somebody who you play to the point where we understand their motives. We may not agree with their motives. We may not agree with what's going on, but we see you as a person. So what was that process like playing a real person? Yeah, that job in particular was a favorite as far as the deep dive. I'm not a Fox News person, but I but I do. I am somebody who wants to know what the other side thinks and how they function and to, to learn what I did about all of them and particularly Bill Shine. Mm -hmm. I loved that. Just the detective work. I, I was fortunate to have a bunch of contact with Bill Shine who was very forthcoming and kindly, you know, answered my 30 pages of questions, you mm -hmm. know, down to like, what, what kind of shoes do you wear? Who makes your clothes? <laughs> you know, he, he really indulged me and I think was, grateful for you know most of the portrayal um that job was a dream also you got it's russell crowe so the leadership at the top you know while yeah. intimidating a guy, guy like that turns out to be incredible leader and and wildly generous and uh, obviously really one of the best actors out there along with yeah. the rest of you know naomi watts the rest of the cast pretty pretty amazing he became roger it was it was quite he really quite he, right i mean yeah yeah it was it was to be standing and the first time i met him was a hair and makeup test so by the time i got there i hadn't gone through the works and he had and when he turned around i just didn't see any russell crowe at all wow i mean shocking yeah yeah that was just a fascinating show and very interesting that bill was willing to be willing to be helpful considering you know the the events of yes. the story very very I was, interesting i was surprised i was surprised was it hard I'm for sure, you to approach you know, him a bit i mean i think part of it i'm sure was for him trying to control a bit of the narrative or hoping to you know yeah. but i think the thing that you realize about any of these people is that they are people they don't make the decisions that i would make but a guy like that i mean just wildly charismatic mm -hmm. that's the thing yeah i mean uh, and I talked to another person who covers the White House 
for a different network and said, oh, yeah, Bill Shine. I mean, the door was always open at the White House. Always. I mean, that was just the way he was. And it makes sense. I, I have trouble sort of making sense out of a guy who started in public television on Long Island moving into what that job is. But I guess we all make our choices. And that, yeah. that's just one I wouldn't make, but work for him, I suppose. I love how critically you think about everything you do and how layered it is for you. You can tell you're somebody who just eats up everything you get to do. I love that. Yeah, yeah. thank you for saying that. I'm glad that comes across. I hope it does. It does. That's a goal. Because I know so many actors, especially we've had them on this show and we've had them, I've been approached, they act and that's it. And they're not able to talk about their ability, the, the acting and what goes into it. They just know they can do it. Your ability to articulate what goes into it is is absolutely fascinating to me. I'm on the edge of my oh, seat. So. Oh, man, it's so nice. Thank you very much for saying that. So what's next? WandaVision is blowing up. I'm sure you have other projects, other things, always in demand. What's next? That's a great question. I'm trying to figure that out now um, and trying to sort of stay picky as much as I can, which is always slightly terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, but I do feel like, you know, from loudest voice to this job i did a little movie in between about the college entrance exam scandal that i yep. think will be interesting um i i just as long as the stuff engages me as challenging i'm that's what that's what i'm looking for like what's the next good challenge and being surrounded by those people i just finished a little radio play i love doing radio dramas i do a lot of them um with a group in la called la theater works and oh, cool. um this one was about the japanese internment camps i learned so much about this Supreme Court. So to me, it's like whatever I can get a good deep dive on. That said, if it was just a dark comedy, that would be amazing too. <laughs> I love that. You know? Well, after the yeah. rigors of WandaVision, maybe a simple dark comedy where you show up, just just have fun with it, you know, might be a good, right? good alternative. Get, get a getting a laugh seems like a, a good idea. I love yeah. that. We were wrapping yeah. up here, but I do I really want to touch on Nashville one more time before I let you go. What, yeah, please. what attracted to you you to that role? Because, again, that show was my college experience. That role, why'd you take it? You talk about being picky. What what appealed to you about that one? Well, I think the show appealed first. I, 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 I was aware of it, and I really because I was aware of the film. And then sure. as I started watching episodes, I just, this is amazing. You know, just the music, really. Mm -hmm. You know, the world of the music and what that was and the drama that came out of it. I definitely was not... I was not dying to play a cult leader <laughs> per se, <laughs> but I felt like Nashville was something I wanted to be a part of. And it was, and I wanted to spend time in Nashville to get to know that place and be a part of that music world in that way. That was incredible. Um, and I also had a dear longtime friend who had directed a play I'd done years ago called Tape in New York. And he was a writer on the show. So that was a big piece of it too. I knew I was in great hands with, in terms of who was running that show. Um, again, like, that's a that's an example of a guy who you know a lot of charisma a lot of charm who believes he's doing the right thing and is just so crazy power hungry and full of ego so that that seemed like a lot to sink my teeth into well know? that is the antithesis of you this half this half hour has flown by josh stamberg a treat thank you please come back oh, next man. time something thank comes back thank you thank you so much i really appreciate it <laughs> Thank you, Josh. That was a real treat. You are a joy to talk to, and I, I could I could co-host a podcast with you. You are just so, so awesome. So what do you say? Come on. 
Call me up. We'll do it. We'll do a show. That was fun. Speaking of podcasts and uh, business, business of the podcast, we're going to take a couple of weeks off because my laptop is overheating. Ah, yay. Um, still a one man operation. I don't ship this stuff off to be edited. I do it all myself. I'm getting a big machine, a big uh, iMac machine. Going to set that up and I'm going to move all of my video and audio editing over there, clear off my laptop, use it for streaming. I now have my full video studio set up in D.C. and use it as a personal laptop and that's it. You know me, going back to when we were ventriloquism focused, I always just wanted to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with you where I told you what was going on because this is a one-man operation, right? This is just me behind a microphone and you've taken me further than I could dream and when I know I'm going to be absent I want to make sure I'm going to tell you everything that I have today everything that I am all of the careers that I have are because of those of you who have listened from the beginning and I will never forget that so I just want to be clear I'm 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 upgrading my gear, let's say, so that we make sure that I don't have, so it doesn't crash and then I'd be SOL completely because then I wouldn't have a laptop. I would just have the machine and even then I'd have to wait for the iMac to get here. So just going to take a couple of weeks off and not put the uh, old girl uh, through her paces. So that is it for a few weeks. But when we come back, we're going to come back with a rather controversial guest. And I just ask that you trust that this is one of those interviews about people, about a person and about their life, not necessarily what they believe or why they believe it. That is it for us today. Remember, you can always check out talkfor2.com for the latest episodes. Also subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook at Talk for Two and Instagram at TalkFor2Pod. Reach out directly to me at TalkFor2Cast at gmail.com. That's T-A-L-K-F-O-R-T-W-O-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Signing off, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two. You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at TalkFor2.com. <laughs>